0: everyone and welcome back to Avatar the Podcast Cora edition.
1: Cora edition, video edition.
0: Cora video at, at YouTube, or unless you're listening to it on your podcast feed edition.
1: And at this point, everyone who's listening on Spotify who hasn't gone to the YouTube is like, we get it. We get I it. Know. We know. That's right. We, they get it we first.
0: Get it. We're jealous. I know. Uh-huh. Thank you everyone to who's been hanging out over on the YouTube and watching yeah. the videos. We're inching ever, ever closer to our our goal on there. Mm-hmm. So thank you all mm-hmm. for participating, showing up in the polls on Spotify and the Q&As on Spotify as well. Uh, we appreciate that. We have such an exciting episode.
1: Things heat up this episode. Oh man, this. Wow. You're
0: not kidding. By the way, I'm Greg, that's Acorn. Hi. Hi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you also know that at this point, but you know, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Introductions.
0: Yeah, you know, it could be someone's first episode. You never know.
1: That's true. If you're new, hi. Hi. Hello. Welcome to
0: the podcast. You're looking great today. Got a little something on your shoulder. Okay. Got great. it. Great. You got it. Yeah. Go. Great. Perfect. Uh, before we jump into this episode, which is, I'm going to be bold right now and say this is my favorite episode of the season so far.
1: Which is ironic because it was the lowest viewership. It's so weird. Of season one. I know. So,
0: I don't understand uh, it. It's the best episode as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Uh, yeah. Before we jump in and talk about it and, and go over all the details and all the deliciousness, we do have a couple of five-star reviews to read from uh, Apple Podcasts. Yes.
1: We do. Our first review comes from AJ slash and e, And they write, Hey, Acorn and Greg, I'm a fan of your podcast and just wanted to say thank you for making it. I was looking around for a new podcast when I saw yours. I listened to the first few episodes and I immediately wanted to hear more. My top five characters are, and they give a reason for each, which is great. Mm-hmm. Number one, Iroh. He always has incredible advice and makes the best tea. Number two, Mei. is so fierce when it comes to fighting for her pride and her beliefs. Uh, number three, Sokka. He is always there for the comedic relief, but is also such a brave and strong warrior. Number four, Katara. Need I say more? No, no, you don't. And number five, Bumi. He is such a powerful earthbender and has one of the best personalities that I've seen as far as kings go. I hope you guys keep making these episodes as they get me through the day. I love that. Thank you so much you. for the review. Mm-hmm. And I love the reminder that people actually listen to our podcast. Yeah. It's, it's just so nice. You know, people who listen to it throughout the day on their commute, uh, walking through the grocery store, going to sleep at night. It's, it's so cool.
0: Working in a warehouse. We got a recent one that said uh-huh. warehouse worker and um, yep. delivery person.
1: Um, mail person. Mail, mail delivery person, person.
0: That's all. Yeah, that's true as well. All right. Our next review comes from Hazel Granada and they write my favorite podcast with two exclamation marks uh, in the spirit of being accurate. I'm not going to exaggerate Mm -hmm.
1: that.
0: (laughs) Hi, my name is Hazel and I love Avatar the podcast. I was first introduced to the Avatar universe when a couple years ago, uh, my parents found out I had never seen Avatar: The Last Airbender and binged the whole series with me. And I um, love—I know it's so cute. I—I I can't wait till I can do that one day with my daughter. Just watch an yep. entire thing. Right now we're just on um, Coco Melon, which is. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Uh, I love listening to this podcast on my walk to work. I enjoy laughing at all the puns and recognizing all the voice acting notes. Thanks for making the great podcast and keep it up with one, two, three, four, five, six big smiley faces. Yes. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much, Hazel, for leaving that review. That's great.
1: Thank you both
0: for the reviews. Mm -hmm. And remember, if you want your review read right here on the show, we haven't done this official reminder in a little bit, I feel like. But go ahead. Go to Apple Podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. ahead, you, know, you, hit, you hit one, two, three, four, five stars on that. You know, in all five. And then you write something. Because if you don't write it. You can't read it. You can't read it. That's right. Exactly. Yes. So we got to make sure you do that. Uh, anyone who's leaving reviews in some of the other countries, we only have easier access to the U.S. side. I have to go on my mm-hmm. computer to figure out all the other countries. So once we catch up on the U S side of Apple podcasts. We're going to jump back into all the other uh, countries and territories and such. And then we'll find those. There's, I didn't think to look in Turkey. We got someone uh, who left a (gasps) YouTube comment that said, what about Turkey? And I was like, Oh yeah. I didn't didn't even think about that. Mm Wow. That's so cool. So we'll get to all of those. Once we finish the U S side of things for sure. Uh Absolutely. I don't want to waste any more time. I want to jump no, right into this. Let's yes. jump into let's this. Jump I'm into so it. excited. We're jumping into Book 1, Episode 8, When Extremes Meet, or as we like to call it,
1: Team Avatar Assemble.
0: Yes. And this episode was written by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Kanetsko and was directed by Joaquin Dos Santos and Ki Hyun Ryu. We begin this episode on a more positive note as we left it as Mako, Bolin, Asami, and Pabu arrive at Air Temple Island, where Korra and the kids welcome them to their new home and Milo's domain. I, I love Milo so much. Yes, I know you do. <laughs> when Pabu skitters onto the dock, Milo and Iki are bewildered by the creature, while Janora explain exactly what a fire ferret is in great scientific detail.
1: And that's why I love Jenora.
0: Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a walking encyclopedia. Yep. Uh, Iki chases the fire ferret and Milo, the chaos lord, chumps on Naga and pretends that she is a sky bison, even though Naga was there the entire time and there was no reason for him to say like, oh, new toy, he just...
1: Is I Milo. had a moment to think that exact thing and yeah. then I was like, well, it's probably been a while since he's, he's seen Naga, I guess.
0: I don't know. because I don't know. You'll, you'll remember Korra was on the dock with them welcoming in everyone, which would imply that Naga was also there.
1: He's just excited to see Naga every day. Maybe he, maybe he does this every day.
0: Actually, that's my headcanon.
1: Yeah, that, that explains it.
0: Because Naga was not surprised by this. It was just no. was like accepting. Fine, yeah. let's get this over with. Here we go. I'll be a sky bison. <laughs> Mako thanks Korra for sending the air acolytes to help with the move, and Korra tells everyone that they should feel welcome here. Milo thinks that Asami is pretty and asks for some of her hair and <laughs> Mako smirks noting his competition
1: yep Milo. funny moment hey pretty lady can I have some of your hair
0: uh, she has great hair though she does to be she fair. does.
1: I think um, Milo just may not understand not having hair himself Yes, that hair does not work that way it's not like a Mr. Potato Head where you can no. just remove it
0: yes <laughs> he's also like <laughs> awkward little kid crush I, I feel like this might be Milo's first crush
1: I think it, I think it is. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 After the grand tour, Bolin fires questions as fast as Iki can deliver the answers and which are the features of their new home. Uh-huh. Uh, I love that. So he's just like, what about this, 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 and this? And she was like, Yes, 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 yes. Five thousand four hundred and twenty-two or whatever. The I think number it was, was. ten
1: thousand five hundred fifty-two. Which
0: is the number of trees.
1: Yes, which is the number of trees
0: that are on the yes,
1: island. Yes,
0: yes, no, just... no, ten thousand five hundred and fifty two. <laughs> so good. Uh, the group splits up as the guys go to the boys' dormitory. We shall meet again soon, beautiful woman, Milo tells Asami and then runs off to catch up.
1: Asami just takes it in stride.
0: This is not going to be the most awkward thing that happens as we follow the girls to the girls' dormitory, where Iki very casually tells Asami that Korra likes Mako, causing a not-so-casual reaction from Korra, which is one of my favorite reactions so far in the series.
1: The lightning... Uh thunderstorm, mm-hmm. uh
0: complete Shock. freak
1: out shriek anime moments. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. They actually talk about that in the, in the commentary oh, saying that that was all, uh, uh, Ryu's doing. Oh,
0: perfect.
1: And how they missed it because they have all these anime moments in the original, you know, series after yeah. the last airbender. And so this was their, I guess, first, uh, foray back into that, that realm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they're taking more modern anime inspiration in Legend of Korra specifically. Like in Avatar The Last Airbender, I remember they talk about like Akira and a lot of those more like considered classic anime, but these ones feel a lot more modern, a lot more like up to date. Yeah. Asami wasn't completely aware of the fact that Korra has a crush on her boyfriend, but before things get any more awkward, Korra grabs Asami's hand and shows her to her room, shutting the door on Iki's face. Iki turns feral momentarily and then runs along.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I love how Asami is so classy. She, again, takes this in stride. Just blinks, pauses, and says, I was not fully aware of that, and then walks into the room.
0: This is also really good storytelling because of what happens later and what she notices later. Like, this is the first... I don't think this is the first seed of doubt, but I think this is like when it's starting to sprout a little bit right here. Right, like I, exactly. I, I feel like she's intelligent enough to kind of understand that Korra has a thing for, for Mako and she uh-huh. hasn't just hasn't brought it up yet.
1: Yeah, and it's the fact that Iki brought attention to it that makes it more real because that shows Asami that Korra's been talking about it with other people and that they're aware and it's a thing that's going on behind Asami's back.
0: Absolutely, yes. yes. So... What, what could have been dismissed as paranoid delusion is now solidified. Or a harmless into... little crush or yeah, something. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 I had to go to the extreme on that one. A paranoid delusion.
1: <laughs> it's fine. It could it's be. Fine.
0: It could be. Uh, Asami thanks Korra again for her hospitality and notes that the best part about her new home is that nothing reminds her of her father. Tenzin politely knocks before entering the room and tells the two young women that Saicon will be taking Lin's place as the new police chief and suggests that they should be present at the induction. I do like that Tenzin knocks politely and Koro's like, go away, Iki! Like that little annoying sister kind of thing. Yeah. That was really cool. Been
1: there yeah. with my sisters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't have sisters, so I've not been there. Mm-hmm. I have brothers. It's a much different kind of <laughs> relationship,
1: I'm <laughs> sure. Uh-huh.
0: Upon arriving, they witness Saikon assuming Lin Beifong's place as chief of the metal bending police force. He announces that all information concerning the Equalists and their revolution will be passed and needs to be passed down directly to Councilman Tarlock, as no man has been more effective against Amon's revolution. This angers both Tenzin and Korra, and Tarlock looks on with a big old smile on that face of his.
1: Getting exactly what he wants. Also, small detail, Sikon is now wearing not the regular metal bending uniform, but one with more of like the shoulder plates yeah. that Lin wore. So visually he is now looking more like the chief of police because they have a different uniform.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah. I didn't notice that because I don't like looking at him. I don't like Sikon. Not one bit.
1: Not a big fan. He the same level as um the one Earth King ruler that tries to get Aang into the Avatar State. Yeah. Just same level of dislike for me.
0: I also, I can't really tell as of right now if Saikon is a bad guy or if he's just, like, caught in unfortunate circumstances.
1: Yeah, I can't really tell either. He's either, like, very pragmatic and doesn't see the trap in front of him with Mm -hmm. Tarlock. It's just like, no, this person is a council member. Like, he's fine. I'm just going to use the resources and tools I have available to me. Or if he actually sees a manipulation and doesn't care because he's corrupt.
0: I'm sure he's going to end up being not a great guy towards the end of it. I just have that gut feeling. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Cora and Tenzin confront Tarlock, who calls Tenzin a conspiracy theorist. He then invites Cora to join his task force again since her pro-bending distractions are now over. Cora scoffs and tells the councilman that there's no way that she's joining his vanity project. She tells Tarlok that she's the Avatar and he will need her help, not the other way around. Tarlok reminds Korra that she still can't airbend and calls her a half-baked Avatar. He tells Korra to stay out of his way and then walks off with a smirk on his face, knowing how deep his words cut.
1: And they did. They did talk about this in the commentary as well, reiterating and revisiting the fact that, you know, she's very strong, she's very brazen, but she also has a lot of her ego attached to her physical abilities. And so, like... When you point out the fact that she's not doing so great with one of the things that she's trying to physically learn, it gets to her. It cuts her pretty good and gets under her skin. Meanwhile, the way that she should be approaching this, as they said in the commentary, is like, you know, when you do yoga, it's like, it's not being good or bad at it. It's what are you doing on your journey? You're growing, you're going on a journey of like bettering yourself and like, you know, going with the flow and whatever. But instead for her, it's all about ability. Um, small other detail, mm-hmm. that comment about the vanity project. Mm-hmm. Did that sound familiar to you? Mm-hmm. It did? It did. Well, it's the same reason that was used by uh, Colonel Shinu in the Blue Spirits when he refused to supply Zhao with the Yuyan archers in his quest to find the Avatar.
0: I love it. Any Anytime Zhao pops back up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs>
0: Flying away from the ceremony on Oogie. I still love that.
1: I love just, just uh just saying the name Oogie. I flash back to all those comic I scenes. Know,
0: I know. Well, Korra asks Tenzin why she still can't airbend, despite knowing most of the forms. He tells Korra that she needs to work through the block, which annoys Korra as it's easier said than done. Tenzin continues to say that Aang also had the wisdom of his past lives to r- rely on and asks if Korra has had any contact with her past lives. Korra reminds her mentor that she is a spiritual failure, according to the White Lotus. Tenzin notes that she might have made a connection without even realizing it. And then all of a sudden, Korra realizes that her visions have been all about Aang. Tenzin urges Korra to meditate on these visions as they approach the Air Temple Island, as he believes that Aang's spirit is trying to tell her something. Day turns to night as we see Korra sitting on a ledge on Air Temple Island overlooking the statue of Aang on Memorial Island as we see tears rolling down her cheeks. Barely hearing Mako and Bolin calling for her, Pabu pops out of a bush and runs up to her and licks the tears off her face. Korra admits to her friends that she feels so alone and is the worst avatar ever because she can't figure out airbending. Mako reminds her that Aang hadn't yet mastered all the elements while battling the Fire Nation. He was just a little kid. And Mako chimes in with the fact that Aang also had the support of his friends. Bolin declares that the four of them, which would be Asami is included in in this fourth, are the new team avatar, and they can save the city together. Milo fart bends in the middle of the group, unsure of what they're doing, and everyone laughs. (sighs)
1: Milo has a lot of moments this episode. <laughs> it
0: does. He absolutely does. It's very interesting that it seems to be common knowledge that Aang hadn't yet mastered all the elements during this, during the events of Last Airbender.
1: I had that moment too. I was, for me, it kind of took me out of the immersion a little bit because to me, it sounded more like an intentional line in the script. To give them this moment rather than like canonically, socially, culturally, these random kids in Republic City knowing the details of Avatar, of Avatar Aang's journey of his life. Um, Yeah.
0: I wish that there was a little more world building. This is going to be the only time I feel like I say this for this Uh universe. I wish there was a little more world building where maybe they make more of an effort to show that maybe like Ang's entire life story is just available to the public. Cause we know Agreed. that there's Ang Memorial Island and there's some artifacts and stuff on there, but like, we don't know exactly what that is. Yeah. Um, I don't see Ang as being the type to not tell his complete story, uh, especially cause he does enjoy the limelight quite a bit, but we don't know that for a fact. We don't know that yeah. if he changed, if he grew out of that. So
1: exactly. You're right. Like. The Memorial Island is there. We saw it in a nighttime scene. So we saw some shadows of artifacts and so we know there's stuff there. But like, what's there? What yeah. does it tell? Yeah. How often does the Memorial Island get visited by regular people? Is this a place where field trips go? Yeah. From Republic City? Like, we don't know.
0: If, you, if we were to headcanon this, what if Aang wanted to set up an educational system much like Fire Nation, kind of? Where like, yeah. they go into great detail, but the detail's real. About their avatar. Oh,
1: that would be funny.
0: Like okay, a callback to,
1: to the headband yeah. where he basically took inspiration from his time in the Firebending Nation schools, but did it the right way. Yes. By providing all of the correct details. Yeah,
0: not exaggerating oh, like or that. omitting. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. This The moment where Pabu licks the tears away from, from Korra's face is inspired... By Brian Kanetsko's uh, real life being comforted by his dog after they had a violent encounter with a loose dog.
1: He talks about that story in the commentary. It's yeah. pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, I can
0: imagine. I didn't want to listen to the commentary basically for that alone.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But that's, that's, it's sad, but it's also heartwarming at the same time.
1: Yeah, and the point that they were making is just like animals, especially dogs, have that kind of sense They're tuned into the way that you're feeling. And in that example, he said, even though my dog got attacked and was like shaking and like traumatized by this attack, it still comforted me (laughs) because it noticed that I was bleeding and like, you know, scraped up and and hurt and whatever.
0: Uh, We don't deserve dogs. No. Angels on earth, as far as I'm concerned. The group goes off to patrol the city, but Naga is no Appa and can't carry everyone. Oh, this little moment, they all jump on and Naga's just like, no.
1: <laughs> Collapses. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, all, it's like being front heavy. It's just kind of like yeah. <laughs> tips down, <laughs> tips forward.
0: Uh, so Asami pulls out a mobile from a nearby abandoned warehouse. While driving around the city, they hear a level four alert on the installed police scanner. And there's some like weird exposition where Asami's like, my dad had these installed on all of his private Satomobile. And it's like, okay, fine. Sure. Okay. Uh They see the chi blockers rush by on an intersecting road and the group chases after them. The boys pick off the motorcycle escorts using their bending as Asami drives the Satomobile closer to the armored vehicle, which is the level four alert. After some minor obstacles and clever driving, the final chi blockers are taken out, but not before Bolin finds himself chi blocked. Mako zaps the truck with lightning and the criminals are caught.
1: Yes, this whole section was really cool because to me, this was kind of like um, a Sokka moment where normally the benders are the ones calling the shots and all the non-benders are going along with it if they're even in the equation. But this time, Asami is calling the shots like an army commander, as they mentioned in the in the commentary. And the benders are like, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll just go along with it. Um, and she's so smart too. Yes,
0: oh yeah, absolutely. I
1: see it here.
0: We see it here, and I think we're not gonna see the end of it. Like this this is her time to shine right here. Yeah. I really appreciate how this isn't just a carbon copy of the past team avatar. Like there are similar elements there, but they're uh-huh. like they're remixed essentially. So yeah. Asami is actually is a combination of Sokka and Zuko
1: in I a see lot of that. ways. Yes. Which is interesting
0: because yeah. they became friends really quickly. Uh-huh. And we'll see. Cora is actually so much more like Toph than Aang. She is. Which is just mind blowing to me. Like I just keep on I, I have to stop myself from going down these like mental paths where right now the current one I'm on is Aang really admired Toph's like stubbornness so much and really liked it that he just got reincarnated into a version of Toph.
1: I love that. <laughs> <Kinda>. <laughs> I love that.
0: It's so cool. And we, we talked about previously, um, I think it was during the fire Lord and the avatar episode. I can, I uh, always get the order mixed up. So if it's the avatar and the fire Lord, Fire Lord I don't remember, but, uh, we talked about how maybe the avatars masters get reincarnated with him. And I think that's uh, true to a degree here a, a bit, a bit. I
1: like that. Yeah. That's a cool concept. I mean, that, that actually goes along with, um, Just the concept of having like soul groups. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's in Eastern beliefs, but there's this concept that has floated around a while. Like if there is reincarnation, then oftentimes you're reincarnated with the soul group, which is like, you know, generations of your family or really close Mm -hmm. friends or soulmates or um, you know, whatever. Like you tend to re-encounter different souls that you recognize. And I feel like that fits perfectly into the world of Avatar with this. Another small detail about Asami. I don't know if you noticed this, but they pointed it out in the commentary. When she asks them to make a ramp for Mm -hmm. them to take a turn really, really fast through the smoke, Mm -hmm. she turns off the headlights so they don't see them making this turn. And that's why she verbally said they didn't see us making this turn. Okay, get ready. And then they come up on on behind them.
0: Multiple reporters are already taking photographs when Tarlock, his task force, and the police arrive. Cora mocks Tarlok for his tardiness, prompting the councilman to warn the Avatar to stay out of his way. The next day, Tarlock proposes a new law prohibiting anyone to join the Equalist and imposing a curfew on all non-benders. Tenzin opposes the law, arguing that it restricts the rights of all non-benders because of the actions of a few. The council, of course, votes in favor of Tarlock's new curfew.
1: Of course. Because they're, as we've said before, the hand-raising marionettes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yes. Yes. Yeah. We vote with Tarlock because he has our families and dire and (laughs) and tied up in a basement somewhere. Yes. It's the only thing that makes (laughs) sense to me. Except yep. maybe one guy. So, like, he probably has two families tied up somewhere. And then there's that one guy who just thinks Tarlock is like the coolest guy ever and just uh-huh. wants to be his friend. So he just votes for Tarlock for everything. That's Mike Headcanon. Uh
1: huh.
0: Later that night, Team Avatar responds to a report of an equalist attack. They have overtaken the streets and are considered armed and dangerous. Before the team drives off, Mako lets Korra jump in the car first, saying something like, Oh, you first. You know, like a little, like, Kidding around, kind of flirty, kind of thing. And the two exchange glances while Asami watches through the rear view mirror. And this, in my mind, is she's hearing Ikki's words right here. Yes. Yes.
1: If it had been a couple episodes, separated or mm-hmm. in a movie, this is where they would add that like echoey overlay of yes. audio where yeah. you would hear the line again. Yeah, for sure. But it's, it's, you can absolutely connect that and it's very clear.
0: The team rushes off to the Equalist attack and when they arrive, they see several airships hovering over the Dragon Flats burrow and the power has been cut. This is overkill. There's like a lot, I, like I say several, I mean like seven plus. There's a yeah. lot.
1: Huge response. Yeah.
0: They also see the inhabitants of the borough sectioned off and being watched by the metal bending police forces. The non-benders yell and scream at the officers, but the officers watch on unaffected.
1: Up until this point, we have seen the metal benders as the good guys because they were run, they were led by Lin Baifong, who is, you know, top's daughter, and she is uh, honorable and you know, good and good natured and everything and is trying to uphold the law. But then there's this cool concept of exploring how any ideology can shift. So even though it's a good thing and a positive thing at the beginning, when people get out of balance, they start to oppress people or they start to use their power for, for bad. And that's something that at least Brian enjoys exploring that he's talked about.
0: There's something that feels very, um, fitting about this response like i feel like this was getting built up in the comics yes and that I was agree. just like they they showed it to us and then they kind of put it on the back burner for the final book for north and south which we suppose or if you didn't listen to that part yet we both did not enjoy all that much but they kind of gave us i see the purpose of it now it's kind of like a little bit of a, a break from everything and now we're bringing being brought back into it and now it's like okay yeah Whew, all right This is, this makes sense. And again, we said it once, we'll say it a thousand times, like reading the comics in between these two series is so rewarding. If you haven't done it, it's a must. You can just go listen to our episodes if you don't want to read them, or if you just want to continue listening, it's changing Korra for me right now. Like my, my Mm -hmm. appreciation of it.
1: Yeah. Same.
0: Asami notes that the people being detained are neither armed nor dangerous. Saikon tells the crowd to return to their homes, but they refuse to move until the power is turned back on. After hearing the plea of a mother holding her baby to help, as Korra is their avatar as well, she pushes two officers aside and approaches Tarlok's tent. And it's very well lit. It's like the only bit of light nearby. Yeah. Which I think is also very showing or very telling of Tarlok.
1: hmm
0: He likes his um... luxury, but also he views himself... Or he wants everyone to view him as like a beacon of light.
1: Yes. Ooh, the symbolism there, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you? Do you have any voice acting notes for this episode?
0: I don't. I don't have a single (gasps) one. It's all been returning. I went to the IMDb. Uh huh. Uh, I went on the wiki. Yeah. And like, I didn't. There's no one new that I noticed. Interesting. Okay, so it's
1: not credited. Okay. So they talk about one in the commentary. Oh. Someone from the cast voiced that mother with the child.
0: Oh, who was it? Can you guess who? Is the current cast or past cast?
1: Current cast.
0: Was it... Ooh, was it Janet?
1: It was Janet Barney. Yes! Yes. And she was so excited. She was like, I love doing it. And they said, um, Brian and, and Mike were saying that she did such a good job because you can't even tell it's Janet.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. I just, I just t- took a guess because I was like, probably Janet. I can't imagine. Yeah. I feel like... With Janet being on every single commentary so far, at least on all the ones that I can think of, I feel like she was probably a lot more involved than just playing the lead in, in yeah. this story. So that makes yeah. me happy and not super surprising. Yeah, Cora demands that Tarlock restore the power to the borough and let the people go. The councilman calls the non-benders equalists and demands that Team Avatar go home as they have no business here. He then furiously orders that the officers round up all the... Equalists. Cora jumps into action and tries to rescue the townspeople while Tarlock uses his water bending to arrest Asami, as she is a non bender and she's also out past curfew. So he's well within his rights. And on top of that, she's conspired, uh, loose to de- loose definition, with her father, yeah. who is a known yeah. equalist.
1: This is frustrating because it's like one of those things where you walk into an argument and then the other person makes a really good point that you can't yeah. really refute. And it's like, uh-huh. Darn it, you got me.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. I,
1: I see what you're doing here. You're pulling this card and I, you can, and I'm frustrated by it.
0: <laughs> uh, to be fair, it's a card in a game that he just created.
1: Exactly, which shows his manipulation skill, I guess.
0: Uh, Mako demands that Tarlock release Asami, but he just calls for the arrest of the brothers. Korra doesn't like this and yells out to Tarlock. About to hurl two boulders at him that are like three times the size of Tarlok. Tarlok. smush sm- him easy. Yes. Tarlok smugly tells her to stand down and go home. Unless, of course, she wishes to join her friends in prison. Hearing her friends telling her to stand down, she does and tells them that she'll go get Tenzin for help. Tarlok taunts the avatar, saying that her little group has had a good run. Cora tells him that this isn't over, but Tarlok states that it most definitely is. I... No, I'm going to hold this comment for a little bit later. What I was going to say, you all just have to wait. I'm not even going to cut this from the video. You all just have to wait. Tenzin arrives at the police station and immediately demands that Chief Saikon release Cora's friends and the innocent non-benders, stating that they are entitled to due process under the law. Chief Saikon refuses and tells Tenzin to take it up with Councilman Tarlok. And Tenzin will do just that first thing in the morning. Cora yells at Saikon and gets up in his face, calling him officially the worst police chief ever. Tenzin gently tells Cora to settle down and that this will all get settled and she just needs to be patient. But you really are the worst ever, (laughs) Tenzin yells at Saikon as they leave the police station.
1: I love when Tenzin breaks character. Well, breaks breaks his usual like you know
0: facade. Yeah, his usual
1: facade of like you know calm, quiet, wise Airbending master.
0: Yeah, it it just shows the influence I think that the first team Avatar had on Tenzin Uh because he knew them. Like half of them are his parents. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I like to see. like, that's a little bit of Sokka coming out right there. You really are the worst, ever. Uh-huh. Unable to sleep, Cora wakes up Naga and the two head out to Republic City's town hall, where Tarlok is working late. Cora enters through the windows and demands an audience with the councilman. Tarlok sends this page away as there's nobody else in the building and tells Cora to spit it out as there's obviously something on her mind. Cora tells Tarlok that he is doing exactly what Amon wants him to do, using bending forces to oppress non-benders. Tarlok points out the hypocrisy of Korra using her role as the avatar to basically intimidate him, which is what she views him as doing to the townspeople. See, that's what I admire about you, Korra. Your willingness to go to extremes in order to get what you want. It is a quality we both share, Tarlock tells Korra. She denies any similarities between the two. Here's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. In Tarlok's office, there's a petroglyph that depicts Tui and La circling each other on a stone wall behind the waterfall in his office.
1: You know, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't but I there's... really enjoyed the concept of having a wall of water behind your mm-hmm. desk. Being a waterbender, yes, it's like I don't know if this is a, if this is a good example, but it's kind of like having a bunch of weapons to pl- displayed on the wall behind you. It's like it's advertising the strength that you have. If someone comes in and wants to mess with you, yeah. it puts him in a very, um, it puts him in a position to go on the offensive very quickly, which ironically we were about to see,
0: uh, Tarlok offers the avatar a deal. If she falls in line, he will release her friends. Cora rejects the offer. He might be able to manipulate chief's icon, but it won't work on her. When Cora yells that Tarlok is just as bad as Amon, his eyes widen with rage and he uses the waterfall behind him to attack. Korra shields herself against the razor-sharp icicles. She defends herself by creating a wall of earth and manages to get the upper hand by bending the fountain wall behind Tarlok. This pushes him out of the room, and then she pushes him down into the main city hall room. Still think I'm a half-baked avatar? She says. She's mm-hmm.
1: feeling herself right now.
0: hmm This is the first time that we see a character bleed in The Legend of Korra. Maybe even in Avatar: The Last Airbender.
1: I don't even remember the blood, so it must have been really, really small.
0: Yeah, she got like jabbed with icicles. It wasn't. It was like a little.
1: Ah, uh-huh, interesting. You know. Oh, yes, yes, she has this, the the yeah. line on her face in the later. Um, We've seen frame. it in yeah. every
0: single anime ever, <laughs> where yeah. like things like that. Oh, sorry, this is the third time in the whole series. I should read uh-huh. the rest of my notes. Wow. Yeah, so this is up there. I found it very interesting that Korra doesn't instinctually use. Water bending to defend herself.
1: Yes. I thought that was interesting too. I actually was half expecting her to bend all of the water out of the room to leave yeah. him defenseless, but she actually took earth bending and pushed him out of the room and removed him from the water. But I was thinking that too, like she goes to earth bending a lot.
0: Yeah. She goes from earth bending and in the next scene she'll use fire bending. Water yes. bending is her last resort. It which always is, is. It's weird because she's. A member of the southern water tribe, yeah, so it's just very interesting how nurture over nature in this,
1: yeah, I had thoughts about this. I think there's a couple explanations, one of which being she takes so much pride in her achievements and her accomplishments that yeah. she tends to want to use them as much as possible, so water bending comes naturally to her, but she had to work to learn fire bending and earth bending, so that's what she wants to use first because she feels mm. accomplished in it, and she feels like she's um I guess like that's where the ego and the sense of pride comes in.
0: Okay. I thought for sure that she was just going to water bend the icicles back into water splashes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's who.
0: Anyways, Cora ignites two fireballs in her hands and tells Tarlok that he's all out of water. She rushes in to attack the helpless Tarlok, but finds herself unable to move. With precise and fluid movements, Tarlock contorts Cora's body, violently moving against her own will as she is forced down to the ground. You're in my way, Avatar, and you need to be removed. Korra realizes that Tarlock is a bloodbender, and he is bloodbending without a full moon. Okay,
1: so I forgot about this, and I but gasped out loud when you this happened. don't <laughs>
0: even know. my. I was watching this, laying down with the mm-hmm. snack, with my dog Rusty at my feet, looking, yep. trying to get the snack, and I jumped out of my futon.
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Rusty loved it because there were snacks everywhere. Yes. I was course. like, no way. They were just potato chips. It's fine. You can have them. I was uh-huh. like, no. And I, my eyes were glued to the string. Cause I remembered that there was bloodbending, but yes. I, I my I couldn't remember where. Yes. My mind conflated it with Amon. Uh-huh. And that was like, I was like, whoa. I was flabbergasted.
1: And then that comment about the full moon and how mm-hmm. is it possible? And then Tarlok is like, there's a lot you don't know about him. I'm like, okay, I'm in. Bad guy. Cool bad guy. I yes. like this.
0: Yes. Uh, he uses bloodbending to throw a Korra against a nearby wall, knocking her out. I'm going to say what I wanted to say previously right here.
1: hmm
0: Now, Tarlok seems more Zhao-ish. zhao esh, Zhao-esque.
1: Zhao-esque. <laughs> Zhao-esque. <laughs> yeah, to me. He does. He does.
0: It was that snapping. Yeah. Like, You're just like Amon.
1: Uh-huh.
0: That is so Zhao right there. Yep. So now like, I'm comfortable in saying that I probably like Tarlok as much as I do because he reminds me a lot of Zhao. That was the missing piece right there.
1: Yes. And the fact that he, we're seeing this other side to his antagonist character. Yeah. Makes me excited to see what's going to come up. Also, we I remember the person in Korra's hallucinations or flashbacks he is a villain, but I can't remember much about him and yeah. if or how he's related to Tarlock. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see where this is going to go.
0: Me too. Tarlock and Korra's duel at city hall bears similarities to the encounter between Avatar Roku and Fire Lord Sozin. This is a fun fact right here. Ah. Uh, when Roku discovers that Sozin's Earth Kingdom colonies in the Avatar last year, but the, that episode of the Fire Lord in both cases, the Avatar arrived at a government building to confront a politician from their own nation about their previous actions, about a people they held power over. In both cases, the politician struck first.
1: Again, we've talked about this before, the concept of incorporating things that we've seen in past episodes, mm-hmm. whether it's dynamics or real world references or illusions. The fact that they do stuff like this just makes it feel more familiar. It makes it feel, I guess, cohesive to the rest of the, the franchise. I really appreciate little nods like that.
0: There's a cyclical nature to the avatar, not just the avatar cycle, but we we're talking about uh, mentors, friends being reincarnated with the avatar. It's this never ending circle. If you expand that out even more, enemies as well, right? Mm-hmm. Anyone who's ever dipped into my streams knows that I love Beast Wars, and Beast Wars going. There's a point to this, I, I swear continuing into Beast Machines, they had this concept of there is no Optimus Prime without Megatron, and vice versa. So, this is spoilers for Beast Machines. If you've not watched it, I don't even know if you could stream it anywhere. Um, Optimus Prime, real or primal I guess, realizes this, and he falls to his demise with Megatron, therefore ending the cycle of violence. Hmm. It's very interesting that the Avatar is coming back with these very familiar foes. Let's say um, Tarlock and Zhao. Almost yeah. identical in in nature.
1: Are you suggesting, Greg, that your headcanon now is mm-hmm. that Tarlock is Zhao reincarnated?
0: Maybe because I have a spoiler from Zhao that I, I it just I was in the wiki, I went too far, and that guy spoiled myself. Ooh. I won't say anymore. Maybe I don't think so because of that, but like or like it, if it's not Zhao himself, the avatar attracts those same kind of personalities to help fill out yeah. its life, and it. I mean, the avatar is all about cycles, so it would mm-hmm. make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Korra has another vision, one in this very courthouse, which I thought was really cool, mm-hmm. where Sokka appears to be incapacitated and in, in severe pain. By the way, they're all grown up. Toph yep. attempts to attack the man on trial with metal bending cables, but is prevented from doing so. The mm-hmm. vision quickly shifts to Aang, with several people behind him being subdued by bloodbending. He reaches his hand out towards the man on trial, but struggles in doing so. The vision ends on a close-up of Ang's face. Korra wakes up to find herself tied up and in the back of an armored truck. Tarlok tells her that he is taking her somewhere very far away from Republic City, where she will never get in his way again. She is barely able to let out a blast of fire breath before Tarlok shuts the door and starts driving towards parts unknown. Wow. At the end. Another little cyclical thing. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe it's not. When did Zuko use fire breathing?
1: In the south, North Pole.
0: Not first. When did he? When did we last see him use? Well, I guess not last. But when was a prominent moment of him using it?
1: Prison. Oh, true.
0: What it? Cora's Boiling getting Rock in prison? prison. Boiling Rock Prison. Yeah. We see yeah, him yeah. using it. That's how he like melts out of the ice box. Essentially, uh-huh. and he keeps himself right. Ooh. She's using it when she's getting locked up.
1: I like it probably I like a
0: coincidence, it. but I like to think that that's like past life knowledge coming in uh-huh. and helping helping her out.
1: Very cool. Um, mm-hmm. Another bending note. Yes. They did talk about lightning bending in the commentary. Okay. And it actually echoes the conversation we had in a previous episode. Oh. Where I believe you pointed out, why do all the firebenders know how to lightning bend now? So they actually, I, I'm pretty proud of myself. They actually echoed my explanation, uh-huh. which is um, if you think about like human existence, like the Olympics, for instance, is, is the example they gave back in like the forties or something, you would see people do, um, pole jumps, uh, or pole vaults or like gymnastics floor routines. And it looks so basic now because we took those moves that they pioneered and improved them. So where it once was really impressive for someone to do like a backhand spring. Now we do backhand springs, triple flips, So cows, like whatever. I know I just mixed up gymnastics and (laughs) and ice skating, but just that concept of like certain moves and certain things are pioneered and then they just become commonplace. And then we progress even more and then that becomes commonplace. So that was kind of their explanation for it. But a cool other detail is they had this backstory idea that Mako learned um, lightning bending from Zolt when he ran with the triple threats. I believe it. And he picked it up on the streets because Mike and Brian really like this concept of like good guys learning skills from bad guys, but they use those skills for good. So I, l- I love that little background um, tidbit for Mako's character.
0: Oh, I will accept that into my head canon. Yeah. Because it's like Frank said so, right?
1: Uh-huh. I
0: do wish that there was a visual difference between what we saw in Lightning Bending in Avatar The Last Airbender and in Legend of Korra. That would be my smallest gripe. And that way we can see that evolution. And if you're paying uh-huh. attention, you could be like, well, this one is maybe a slightly different shade of blue or it's right. not as wild and uncontrolled, I guess, make it a little different visually. So then we can kind of, when you tell us that in a commentary, we could be like, oh, now I see it and not a, okay, I, you said yeah. it, so it's the visually, rules. Visually
1: it's backed up yeah. as well. Yeah. I understand That's what that. I would appreciate yeah.
0: that. Or in the comics, because the comics were made after the fact anyways, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Put something were, in yeah. there, yeah. I don't know. Okay, well, since that's the end, Acorn, who is your MVP of the episode? My feet are kicking right now, like a child. I'm so excited. <laughs> to hear your MVP is that you should know.
1: You know, I thought about it. No one like really, really stood out to me this episode because it was such this um, conflict dynamic between like Cora and Tarlock. Mm-hmm. With that being said, like I don't know. I feel drawn to say Tenzin. Okay. For some reason probably okay. just because I love him I had yeah. so many moments this episode where I'm like I freaking love Tenzin yeah I love his character so I'm gonna pull a you mm-hmm. and say I'm just gonna pick my favorite character pick favorite character for that's right yeah. I can't
0: fault you for that I'd be really hypocritical to be like you can't do that because uh-huh. that's most of my picks uh, I think my pick not because she's my favorite uh-huh. I think it's Cora I think she very easily can figure out what, what side she's on and she doesn't mm-hmm. delay she never has very decisive she's very decisive. she knows she her sense of right and wrong is very clear, and I think Angs yeah. was Aang's was as well to a fault towards the end, oh. um with that whole dilemma of am I going to kill the fire lord or not, even though as a lot of videos will point out, he's probably killed many people before the <laughs> fire Lord.
1: I just realized something, yeah. Act decisively is the advice that all of Aang's past lives gave him and he still had issues with it and now Korra only acts decisively.
0: That's amazing. That's cool. I'm going to chew on that all night, I'll tell you that Uh much right there. Me too. I like her so much. I like Korra so much. She's probably, if I were to revise a top five, she would be in there for sure. She seems to be getting over this fear of Amon very slowly. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is really cool to see. So for me, it's it's Cora. Uh, what is your moral of the episode?
1: I think my moral of the episode is um, it's okay to lean on people. Yeah. It's okay to get help from people. It's okay to not shoulder everything yourself.
0: Mine's much different than that.
1: Yeah? What's yeah. yours?
0: I think it's rules are meant to be broken or not Ooh. meant to be. I think it's that rules will always be broken. And uh-huh. you're gonna see we're gonna see that with societal rules, benders versus non-benders. We're seeing that with blood bending. Before yeah. we're like, you can only do blood bending on a full moon. Yeah. Not anymore.
1: Yeah. Progress. Taking progression.
0: Bending steroids. I don't know, but uh-huh. something's happening here. Absolutely insane. I just think this is my favorite episode because of that, that ending. They just came out of nowhere, but they executed it so. Precisely and expertly, that it doesn't feel like it was out of nowhere. Uh huh. Like, does, does that annoy you where someone's like, it's like a twist, and all of a sudden you're like, come on, dude, really? Like, but no, it just fits. It does. What if he's bloodbending the vote? No, that's stupid.
1: <laughs> they're actually marionettes. <laughs> they're actually they're just real marionettes. <laughs>
0: he's, he's weekend at Bernie's, the whole <laughs> council, and they're just, oh, uh, uh-huh. we got dark really quickly. Yep, yep, um, yep. Well, that's it. That's the end of our episode ending on the darkest note possible.
1: Uh-huh, everyone, yep. thank, you all,
0: thank you all so much again for hanging out with us and continuing to show up and, and be active on YouTube, over on the polls. Even just the fact that you're listening to us makes us feel so good inside and we really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Thanks to all our, our patrons again who continue with their support. We super, super appreciate that. Um, I actually, when this ends, I have to ask Acorn something and tell her an idea that I have that you will never know until we do it.
1: Ooh, secrets.
0: There we go. If you want to show any sign of support whatsoever, continue listening. You can find us over on Twitter, twitter.com slash podcast avatar. You can go to patreon.com slash avatar the podcast. If you Uh want to support there, you can go over to YouTube, subscribe, watch a couple videos on there that we have. If you like any, any way you interact with us, or the podcast is greatly appreciated. And it's Agreed. support, it's support no matter which way you slice it. So please.
1: And yes, if you have, if you've been listening this whole time and you haven't left your five-star review mm-hmm. and you want to tell us who your top five is for Cora, we oh, have gotten many of those.
0: That's true.
1: So we would love to hear, now that we're talking about characters that we're falling in love with with Cora. let us yeah. know what yours are.
0: And with that, if you're caught up in all the episodes and you want to come hang out with me live on stream, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash BoosterGreg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't worry about Wednesdays. Nothing exciting ever happens on Wednesdays at all, ever. Don't worry about it. Uh, you can go there if you <laughs> want at 8 p.m., but no guarantees on that one. You also uh, find me on Twitter, basically anywhere on the internet that says BoosterGreg.
1: Same. You can find yeah. me uh, anywhere on the interwebs at Acorn Bandit. I am also streaming on Twitch. And I, uh, for those of you who are listening live or caught up or currently or whatever the word is you want to say for you listening to this weekly, um, I started playing Minecraft for the first time in my life and I'm addicted and I'm uh, playing that on stream now. So come watch my builds, I guess.
0: That's putting it lightly.
1: I I clocked a ten-hour stream yesterday or two days ago because I was. I, <laughs> I know. I was trying to make something work.
0: I got a notification that said, oh, "By the way, can you keep the notifications on for Acorn always?" Because the way it and goes. Mister Greg. I got a notification that said, "Acorn hey, Man is live with Minecraft." I was like, "Oh, that's neat!" And it was—I it was eating dinner or something, or I was about to make uh-huh. dinner. And then I ended stream, and I was like, "Who am I going to raid?" And Acorn Man it was still live,
1: still streaming. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, I feel like this yep. is a
0: while, but maybe I'm misremembering. And then we raid it in. Sometimes you get that benefit. Sometimes you go to my stream. I just bring an acorn or vice versa. But anyways, uh-huh. uh, I raid I was like, it was almost 10 hours. <laughs> I was like, okay, Minecraft's yep. got its talons in her.
1: Yeah. I was building an iron farm. I had to go kidnap villagers. It was a whole thing. It took forever. Um, my iron farm works. It's great. I have so much iron now. I love yeah. it. Yeah, so anyway, that's what I'm currently so, doing. Um, but you, I also just stream random stuff too sometimes, like some role play and some Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. So you can check me out at twitch.tv slash Bandit.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for hanging out again. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time on Avatar, Avatar the Podcast. The podcast. That was, that was
1: I worse. was watching your lips. I was, I wanted to nail it this time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.